Uh, in her family, she was the first person to leave the country uh, unmarried uh, to go study, uh, which for uh, Sri Lankan is a big deal. Uh, I found out that in Sri Lanka, your whole family kind of determines your future. Uh, and uh, she uh, is an incredible negotiator and was able to negotiate her way each step of the way to continue her education to where she now has an MBA uh, with a marketing focus. She's a triple minority. Okay. She's a, a Tamil. She's a Christian in a, a Buddhist and Hindu nation. Uh, and she's a woman. Uh, yet she's able to do incredible things in the north of Sri Lanka. Uh, this, was, this trip has been the first time that I've had a chance to meet her. So I've just heard of her before she came here this, uh, this April. And it's her first time in New Zealand right now. Uh, and, uh, and her stories are amazing when she's not telling them, when other people are telling you them. But they take on a whole new life when she shares what she does. And you start to get a glimpse of how God's taken every little step of her development and, and has prepared her for just this time and for just what she's doing now. So I want to stop talking. I want to invite Selena on up. And, uh, and I just pray that uh, just we are blessed uh, by her this morning. Actually, uh, the Ian McKinnis was working there and then we started a good relationship with Fund New Zealand and they have supported us right throughout. And before I start on this, talking about Helen. When Helen came to Sri Lanka, I don't know how it impacted her life. I think probably you should ask from her, but we got impacted from her visit. That was the most beautiful thing. She's not only a mother of a child right now, and she's not only the, she's not going to be the mother for the, her second child, but she already has 3,147 children in Sri Lanka. <laughs> so, like me, she's a mother of many. So, because she had been part of their lives, and her visit has really impacted them. So, Oh, will they play the puppet? Okay. So, how did it all start? I don't know whether you are aware of Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka is a beautiful nation. It has a, it's a small island. With, within hours, you can reach to many uh, different kind of uh, climatical conditions. But then I also was telling yesterday to Barbara, probably the, sp the level of spices we eat also contributes to the emotional outbreaks of people. So, we had an issue way back, 30 years ago in Sri Lanka, and this is Sri Lanka. Uh, it's a very small island beneath the Indian Ocean, and it has 21 million people. And the ethnicity ratio is this. So you will find Buddhist, Sinhalese, uh, Sinhala Buddhist majority, and Christians and um, minority within them. Then again, the Tamils, the 15% out there in red, is the Tamil minority. Then we have Muslims and Burgers. So the entire issue started way back in 1958 when the Britishers 
left the country. We were colonized by the Britishers. When they left, we had this issue. Because the handing over was probably not done properly. So the majority said, the minority have no rights and there is no recognition for them. That is how everything started evolving. So initially it started as a fair request to have equal right, equal opportunities. Down the road people lost focus and it became a kind of a, they took up to arms and it became another focus and they started fighting for their egos. So what happened? was in 2009, there was an outbreak of uh, a big war, which we responded as an organization, getting involved by, in the evacuation of the injured civilians. This changed our lives too. In the evacuation, World Concern was requested to respond, and uh, we started working in the uh, hospitals and the receiving points, and in the refugee camps. And we have carried children who were alive, wounded, and the next thing after hours, we are packing them in body bags, and I go with these uh, children and adults who are dead at the back of my truck with the driver, singing all the time, praising God and praying with my driver in the night, one and a half hours through the jungles to the nearest morgue. The entire time that we traveled, we prayed. Because we needed courage. We needed hope. So where do we see hope? Where do we see hope for these children? Because I had a mother come up to me and asked, what did my child deserve to die like this? So that is when we started intentionally working with children. But in 2009, when we started working, this was the context where there was post-war, the war was over, but the grief and trauma carried by these mother, mothers, fathers, the children, for their loss of their loved ones, and the entire social structure had collapsed in that community, where the men took responsibility of the family. They were the head of households, where the young women, young widows, Marrying young was common in that community. So when they are about 21, 22, they already have two or three children. And they were forced to take the responsibility. And this affected the children because they, all of a sudden, we all, even in my lifetime in the North, in the team of my, or the staff in my team, we lost childhood. The same way I could see these children waking up after the war and becoming adults. And they have to take care of their family. They have to support their mother. So they were asked to go and work. So how do we do this? And this was the context that we walked in. And there was also a, a resistance from the government uh, because there were a lot of war crimes committed during the course of by both parties who fought the war. And they were not allowing trauma care officially by the NGOs because they were too scared that what happened will come out. And also, child protection, women protection, human rights were all not... They said, okay, this is what the government does. You all give food or you all give livelihood and walk out. 
So what we said, we negotiated. And I was <laughs> telling my childhood negotiation um, training came very much in handy when I have to go and negotiate with the presidential task force, then with the military, Ministry of Defense, and we created a national program called SPACE. When we started SPACE, we knew the sensitivity of this program, so we never went to, we couldn't market it, we couldn't ask donors to contribute. So we did not have money when we started working. So we all sat together as a team and we decided if we don't believe in what we do, how can we expect others to believe in us? So everybody said, okay, we will start giving from our salaries a percentage to this program. And which start, that started in uh, 2009, still continues in World Concern, so we contribute. And the entire program was started with a platform in faith in God. We said, if God wants us to do this, we have, I, we have a different saying actually, if this is God's will, he will pay the bills. <laughs> so that is the faith and in that base, we started this program. One year, two years, three years, we did not get support. Of course, $1,000, $2,000 we got from good friends and some of the friends came up. The maximum we got was $6,000. But even when we were small, as five, we were serving 500 children, we said we are going to intentionally concentrate on the programs that will do the awareness, because it's, it was very common in Sri Lanka, there was a time in 1970s where we had child sex tourism. So with the end of war, there is a lot of, we could see that this will start again. The child prostitution, the child sexual abuse. We are intentionally going to address these things. And the awareness program started, and we have now, at the moment, we have 68 communities with 3,147 children registered and we run a hotline where we get almost five to ten uh, rep reported cases on an average uh, for a month. So it's like sowing the seed. It's like sowing the seed. Our, our awareness program was like sowing the seed. So you will see all what we do. We run a newspaper called The Wings in Tamil and in Singhala because we also work with the Singhala communities bordering the district that we work, because they also have gone through the hard time. They were also affected by this war, by the militants. So we got both parties together, children together, and we also have a dairy program supported by the government and TFR New Zealand. So we said, okay, we will work in these villages with the children so that we will not have additional costs on overheads. So 25 villages, around 500 children. Then, how do we get the message out and also getting the children to say that was the first peace walk we started with 500 children. Then it increased to 900. The fourth year it was like 1,500. And this year, last year, 2014 in November when we walked, it was 3,000 children who walked. So their voice was heard. And the, it is also like giving them the confidence for the people. They ask, they say, take their appeals to the government officials, the military, everyone, asking to provide them a safe environment, to 
help them to go back to school, not to employ children. And then, it's not only that, it's not only the peace for, that's that we can afford only once a year. But how do you get this message across? So we started working with the communities, started working with the churches, because churches are better placed in the communities. And how do we get a network organized? Then, the dangerous thing about certain sectors, you can't say, I do awareness, I'm not going to get involved in other things. The moment you create awareness, people start coming to you with reporting cases and children start sharing. And then, we have to go to the prevention stage. Okay, so what, what, what the beautiful part of this program we started responding to the need. It was not like the other projects like where you have your goals and outputs and outcomes and you stick to that. Here we have to start responding. So the prevention. How do you get the child rights education across? So we started in these children's clubs. The children meet every week. The 3,147 children registered, they meet every week. And they talk about their issues. They start learning about their rights. And then, child protection training to the village volunteers and to the children. And when we started doing all this, educating on trafficking, the young mothers, and the support structure for the young mothers, because young mothers opted to go into prostitution because that was easy money and they were highly paid. So we had issues that we have to address the root cause, how do we get them? Then what is the hope for the future? How do we groom these children? So leadership trainings. And uh, one good thing I was saying is like, we have the child parliament, the children's parliament, where these children come, they meet, they have sent their representatives, and then they also invited, invite the community leaders, the military, the police, the government agent, the government officials, even there, parents and they start discussing their social issues they say actually in the last um, conference a young girl 14 year old girl I stood up and pointed out to the police chief and said I have a big problem in my house because you have neglected to take action against the people who are brewing illicit liquor my father comes and beats up my mother every day. And you have turned a blind eye to that. Right? So this is how you empower. So they feel as a group, they can, they start helping the environment. They start cleaning up. You will be able to see in these paintings around, they have actually expressed what they do and what they hope to achieve as well. So this is kind of the prevention. Then we started, when we started doing the prevention work, of course, when, then we started getting calls. So there is a government structure, but we also understand they have a lot of restriction. The Child Protection Department, they have a lot of restrictions. There's only one officer for the entire district, and they, do, they don't have transport. So we started working with them on intervention. So we facilitate investigation, we do facilitate the rescue missions, and then we realized that we needed a hotline. So we established a, a, a hotline when I say in terms of Sri Lanka. We have a phone that 
is totally dedicated for these people. So it's it's sometimes uh, when it in the early stages until we deserve, I mean sort of gave the message on the number. We were hoping nobody will call because, you know, we were, how do you do this, right? And getting the staff trained, everything. Then when it starts raining, now it has come to a point where everybody runs to that table and see what is the issue now? What is happening? So, and even the person who makes tea and provides help to the person, he said, should I make a cup of tea for Paul before he leaves? Right? So this is the kind of, Thing. So, it is so good to see people started reporting. And it's heartbreaking for us to, to hear every cases and to take them to the, to the courts or to the police station, get it registered, and then it's a long process, the entire legal aid. And separating these children, you will hear more stories like Madhushan. Uh, Madhushan was picked up by the roadside actually by another person from the team. He saw him uh, selling fish and he called the child protection team and when they went there, the first thing my, the team has asked, would you like to eat something? Are you hungry? And he said, what do you mean by hunger? I don't know what it means because he has got, his system has got used to not eating and then we started asking that his story was, his mother was a young widow who did not have the courage to stand up and do. So he sought to remarry and he was an alcoholic and he wouldn't go to work. So the eight-year-old Madhushan is sent to the fishermen's, uh, the, the beaches to help the fishermen to draw the nets. And at the end of it, they will give him some fish and he comes to the roadside and he starts selling the fish. By the time he finishes and takes the money home, it's around three, four o'clock in the afternoon. And that is when the mother cooks a meal for them. So we had an issue. If we removed Madhushan and if he gave help to Madhushan, his two brothers are going to be victimized again. They are going to become the victims. So how do you work with Madhushan's issue of giving him to space to be a child and then how do you deal with the family? Then we realized, yes, we have to work with the mothers and fathers, otherwise this program is never going to be sustainable. So we started responding to that. Then this is Kalaimadi. She's only 15 years old and her mother couldn't handle her trauma. She got, uh, she sort of uh, got involved with another man and gave birth to a boy and she killed the child and buried the child inside her, uh, next to her house and she got caught to the police. And the police took her out and Kalaimadi had no place to go. Again, the police called us, we have to go, and now Kalaimadi, who should have been in her, with her age group in school, was two years lower because she couldn't concentrate on her studies because of the situation at home. But after she was taken to the, this home, and we started monitoring, actually, we have a great team who goes and monitors every week what these children are, how they are progressing. And then we found out she has really done well. She became within the first five in her class in last December. 
so she was promoted two grades so that she can study with her own age group then comes these three boys actually this is another story these three boys were found selling firewood actually two of them not the younger one then one of my staff member ben started following them to see where they were from and it led to another entire different story where barbara witnessed the entire village the women in the village were under prostitution they were from a very low caste they were rejected by the community and also from their own church this community couldn't go and worship in their church so the old lady that you will see later told me i go in the night i sit outside the church and i pray i don't want anybody to see me going there and then it opened up a entire different case for us these children were taken back to school and we have been following on them on how they are progressing but then we also had the issue how are you going how are we going to address the issue of the sex workers in that village before i come to the full story of that this girl is lochana her mother is a sex worker and she got her daughter into child prostitution because she wanted more money and when this was reported by one of our club member one of the child who comes to the club meetings she belongs she is registered in our one of our clubs she saw sadarshana being very unhappy in school and she asked why are you unhappy and she said i don't like the way men treat me and this girl immediately went to the volunteer village volunteer and they called and we have to remove sadarshana now the legal case is on she's also in a home now what does it mean to women like lingeshwari who attempted lingeshwari basically was a very depressed woman we call, we got a call from the um, uh, local uh, hospital asking us to take over a lady who has attempted suicide and but survived so the story goes as she was a young widow she had five children and she did not have a place she did not have anybody to support her you know this hut what i just put it in because i wanted you to understand the context this is where they cook they have to sleep and they do everything in this small place it's it has no cement it's just sand and when it rains she stands there hugging all her children but with nobody helping her and she had stood there she's told me that for the entire night until the rain stops and the earth was uh, dry in her first attempt to suicide it killed her two year old child she survived and her second attempt is where when we met her and there were good we did not have money so we have to go and ask the dairy farmers will you be able to help us with some roof material and stuff so you, here you will see the welcomes and staff members came and said i have a great team actually and uh, you know the one before 
Okay. And they said, we will come and we will give our time and we will build the house. Now she has a nice place with cemented floor with a good touched roof where they sleep and now she's also connected to clinical assistance so she goes one of our staff member takes her regularly to the hospital and she was able to find a job so this is little Sumitra what you see she was from the village where the prostitution was happening she was only 10 years what happens in the beach on the beach you will see the migrant fishermen come to do work uh, fishing and these women will go saying that they are going to separate fish and help the fishermen but actually what takes place there is prostitution and then she's the mother of Sumitra started taking Sumitra to the fisherman's hut and when we met her she was kind of confused she was only 10 years but everybody told her that this is how life goes on. So now we have started working here in this village and Barbara was there when we had a meeting. We said we have to do something about it. How do we send the message to the church that has rejected this community? So last December we went to another father. It's a Catholic community, Father Joy, who works with us actually from this community. And then we said, Father Joy, would you mind come to, coming to this community with some children from your community? Because we had a children's club. Children were willing. Will you have a Christmas service for them? So in, in December he came and he had, but unfortunately the adults were scared to come out. So we had this great Christmas service and a Christmas party followed by that for all the children from the high caste and the low caste and we could turn around and see all the people were near the fence watching what is happening. So peace building in our terms is the hope of doing that with children. And finally we took the case of Sumitra her mother deserted her because she was too scared that she's going to be facing a lot of issues through the legal term and also it was too much for her to bear. She decided to run away with a fisherman who was there. And then Sumitra was left with her grandmother who is blind. And this grandmother and grandfather takes care of five children from that family. And every time we go, she says, would you at least take my three grandchildren to a home where they will have a good or a safe environment? Not a good environment, but a safe environment. So what does it mean to people like them? Then comes therapy. How do you deal with that? So trauma care is something that we do through different activities. Paintings, writings, dancing, role play and all. Then counselling, identifying the severe cases and getting them to clinical assistance. And then the beautiful part of it is when we started dealing with the trauma, we also, could, we also repeat the same therapy to see how they are progressing. And then we, we found most of the slow learners were picking up through the trauma care. So we have to go and talk to the teachers and right now, this week, 
my team is doing a counseling uh, course and also teachers training how to deal with children and it was a breakthrough actually for us for the government teachers to say yes we will come and listen this is their holiday time so they said yes we will come and listen and then the hospital we are dealing right now with a child who was uh, sexually abused by the grandfather actually this man's eldest daughter the ha- daughter had the courage to call us and say my sister's daughter is being abused by my father my sister was abused now it is his it is her daughter so we have to go and it's a kind of a difficult situation because the child is trained to say no nothing happened so we are still working on that but the children who drew pictures drew paintings like uh, the next one please these at the beginning when we started the paintings the children i have much many more of those the children who started drawing pictures like that they have everyone speaks through their paintings they bring out what they have in their hearts and this child mary said this is a mary mary actually mary is a common name in sri lanka so mary said this is what we wanted but my sister ended up in the prison because she was suspected of a young excarder or militant child soldier actually then this was another picture drew was done by a 13 year old boy he said this is how my memory is when i was getting displaced the war displaced 300000 people and killed 70000 people and now it is very nice to see that they are coming back and they are they have started painting with hope and so when i was coming to new zealand i said how do i explain this and it so happened one of the stores that was closing they gave us four canvases big and small two big and two small and so and a little paint so i sent it to the field and i said give it to the children let them have the feel of that so every child was fighting to have a stroke and we have one painting like that everybody had a stroke but the bigger ones decided that they should paint separately i was amazed when i got it back just a day before i traveled to new zealand to see this and i thought yes this is the appropriate one to give us a gift to new hope right this this club meets in the church and they feel safe in the church so i said yes this is this i can't give anything better than this so i would like to have kimberly here So this is from the children. And they will even explain the social issues. If you see these paintings, if you take a little time to see these paintings, they will express their social issues, how it has been to them and how they would like to see this turn around. Then peace building. Peace is something we have longed for many many years 
even as a child. I know the pain of running over dead and half dead. I still suffer. In, when I pray, I ask forgiveness till today to God. If I had five minutes, if I have stopped for five minutes, I would have saved a child. I would have carried a child. I had been running for my life. I have gone through, I have gone through a direct shooting. I have gone through, I have had five death experiences. Right? So, and so as most of my team members who work in these areas. <coughs> so we know and understand how difficult it is for the children and the adults who have ran for their lives and who did not have a chance to bury their loved ones. So <coughs> it was so nice to get them to work in groups of minority ethnicities and majority ethnicities, we do uh, cricket matches for them. Cricket is a big sport in Sri Lanka and we have, um, uh, we have dancers learning from each other. We have cultural events across, uh, across the religions. Then the caste is the biggest, I say, the evil thing in our community. We have the low caste and the high caste. And this has a different power play. So how do we get the children out of it? It's only by providing space for them to get to know each other better. And then they go on educational tours, which is quite, they learn a lot about their history, but they don't get to see. So we said, okay, if you have 100% attendance in your club meetings, that is every week meeting for one year, then... You get to go to a closest destination to visit a ruin, ruins or the ancient city, but you study. Because we can't take 3,000 children. It's very expensive. So we were hoping at least 500 or like 300 will be the thing. But you, I was amazed when I saw the number. It was 800 plus. 100%. So... This, then we said, okay, we will put them in, two, in different buses, but mix them. And I had parents come and tell my team, I'm not going to tell my, send my child with that low-caste child in the same bus. Right? I'm not going to send my child with that child in the bus. So we said, I'm sorry. That is how it is going to be. If you, are, if you don't want to send... Your child miss out on that. And then you see on the last day, the children coming, running, because they managed to change the hearts of the mothers and mothers feel they will never be able to afford a trip like that. So they come and say, okay, but when you meet my mother-in-law, don't tell about it. <laughs> right? So, I want to share something before I come to the end of my presentation or the story. Last year in May, I had a situation. I always have situations. Managing a country is not that easy, especially a country that has, the war is over and there is, it is not a focus anymore for donors. I had a situation where I did not have money for the next fiscal year starting in July. And I was... I was informed by, by my headquarters that I should take steps to cut down on the program or to shut down the program and to 
let the staff go. And I go to my office and Kevin was here, Kevin from Tear Fund. He works with me very closely, a good friend and a colleague and a, actually I say he's my guru, my guide to teacher for the dairy. He was seated in front of me. I was working here. And the senior Mary, we have two Marys in office. Senior Mary walks in and said, can I talk to you for five minutes? So we speak in the local language. Kevin couldn't understand because Mary feels very comfortable talking in the local language. And Mary said, the female children, because when your minister, Honorable Murray Makali came to Sri Lanka, he was also the sports minister. So he came to lay the cornerstone, cornerstone for the milk chilling center. So he gave 63 sets of cricket gears for the children to start playing on this. But at that time, nobody was thinking about, because he was the sports minister at that time here. So the girls wants netball. Because the boys have got the cricket gears. The girls wants Murray uh, Makali came in November and then we had this few months. Girls wants netball. I told Mary, we don't even have money for the next fiscal year. How would I find money for netball? And I said, let's leave it to the Lord and we'll see what happens. And I'm very good in passing on my burdens. I always say, God, if it is your will, the bills are yours. If it is your will, the bills are yours. So, Kevin caught few English words about budget and closure and things like that. He asked what it is. So I said, Kevin, I don't know how to tell you this, but we are in a real critical situation. We have, we have to close down the program. In the meantime, the children are asking for netball because we have not got any support from the individuals who were supporting because they had another crisis in US and they were focusing on that. So, Kevin, I said, I just pray. If God started it all, we never wanted. In 2009, he pulled us into this. And if he wants to shut down, we will say, yes, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to serve you and share your love, and we go. But if, he go, if he's going to continue, if his plan is to continue this program, he will open up the skies. And on the third day, Kevin comes and says, probably Selena, Rob Wright, oh, I called Rob anyway. Pro Rob says there may be a chance there is a church that will give some money for this program. And then Tear Fund will also match fund it. Then I was introduced to Barbara and I had this call, Skype call, which changed, I think, our entire life. And we got funding from New Hope Church from June, July. So we were able to go through that this fiscal year. So I'm back again in square one, where my budget, entire child protection budget of 7,500 was taken out, US dollars taken out and they say we have crisis. So I said, no, if God wants to give, he will not only open the skies, he will also open up the concrete roof of our office. So I said, when I was starting on Monday, child protection team came from the field just to say, they brought these paintings and said, we just wanted to say hi to, bye to you. And then Paul starts, 
can I talk to you? I know when these people say, can I talk to you while they are seated in front of me, I am in trouble. <laughs> so I said, yes, Paul, what it is. You know, the government agent has given a new village where every child, when they come to the age, when they get age attained, we say, the puberty stage, they are forced into child prostitution because they are from a low caste and their literacy rate is very high. They, are all, daily, they all work as daily laborers. And what happens, either they are forced into child pr prostitution or they get uh, sort, of, sort of, they are sexually abused. So I know that we don't have a budget, but I, we just can't keep quiet. I said, fine, don't worry about the budget. You go and do the immediate need assessment and send a report to me. What you need, I will come back. When I come back, we will talk about the rest. So I came back and two days ago when I was in Wellington, I got his report and it was really heartbreaking to see he had also sent some case studies. And he said, intentionally, people have come into the village because they have a hope for to take these children, traffic these children across the province so that they can be for they can become sex workers. And the entire story was heartbreaking about how these children are intentionally used. Even sexual abuse has happened intentionally because for the children to feel prostitution is not so bad. And he said, what do I do? What do we do? I said, if God's call is strong, let us go and start working. The rest of it is his problem. Right? Even if, we if God wants us to close down, we will have to hand over this village to someone. So we also work with a lot of churches, empowering them to, for them to come out of, in the villages to come out of the thought. They can be of use because they feel that this is not, some of them feel this is not their call, but how they can play a good role in the community forming a network. So we are working on the Vigilus network so that they will have a platform, the people to facilitate reporting and structures, understand. So we also run this paper, I said, the district judge writes a column on that on how the facilities, children write, they are painting. So I brought the papers, we will leave it out somewhere so that you will be able to sort of go through. And I have one request for you from the children and from my team. We started a signature campaign on child protection and we have, I have brought that and it hangs there. One piece, there are several pieces that we do. We are going to wrap it up this by handing over this to the governor of the province and the ministers, uh, we have few poor things. It will be, we will be very grateful if you can sign it and say New Hope or New Hope Church or New Zealand because that also gives that encouragement to children that people care and they are there for them, praying for them, taking the time to think of them. So that is also there. Finally, I come to the story of Mary. I think you have heard Mary's story. Is it? I, I would say, okay. So what happened to Mary is what when they were, the entire story is she was taken by the military as a child. 
the police as a child and then handed over to the military. She was ended up in the prison and I had to work out for 18 months to bring her out. And when she came and what happened now, what happens now with her story, I think it's better to play a video than I talk. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share and thank you so much for your generous gift that you gave, the funding which helps a lot of children.